people want basically the same things. They want happiness, they want peace, and they want health for their families and communities. And that's something that I think we have the capabilities of achieving in the 21st century. And so I'm dedicating today's women's magazine on mutinyradio.fm to the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. They go by the acronym WILPF, which is kind of hard to say, W-I-L-P-F, Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. And they have been uh, a, an international women's organization for 100 years. They formed out of the ashes of World War I and have been working together ever since. And uh, one of our friends, actually, Alexandria Rain-Smith, you could find her on Facebook. She's a poet. She was part of a, a WILP um, summit last summer. And this year, she was invited to The Hague for the, one, for the, for the centennial, the, the 100th anniversary of WILP, and, uh, which just happened this past week. And she was one of the, well, I'm calling her the keynote poet because she was invited to, to perform her poetry. So thank you to Alex Alexandria Rain-Smith for being my liaison to WILP and um, op opening this door for all of us here to, uh, to, to gain from what that organization has to say. Being that it is 100 years old, that means World War I was 100 years ago. Um, the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom met, and they created a manifesto to reiterate and to augment and clarify some of their, some of their key beliefs and, and uh, what they're working towards for the next 100 years of peace building in the world. So today, I'd like to read for you that manifesto, the 2015 Women's International League for Peace and Freedom Manifesto. Here we go, folks. We, members of the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, on the centenary of our foundation, pay tribute to the courageous and far-sighted women who, amid the carnage of the First World War, took a bold initiative for peace and brought our movement into being. We affirm their belief that women have a particular interest in stopping war and particular skills we can bring to the task. We remain convinced that the achievement of peace and the achievement of equality and justice for all people, together with the full inclusion and representation of women in all our diversity, are inseparable goals. After 100 years that have brought another world war, five times more deadly than the first, the invention of the most destructive weapons ever known, increasing militarism, and the emergence of new kinds of armed actor and conflict, we renew WILP's commitment to eradicating war by addressing its root causes. Among them, we identify the following. Root causes of war, everybody, according to WILP. <clears throat> Number one, militarism as a way of thought and the militarization of societies such that perceived threats are likely to be met with weaponry rather than words. Global Val side note, take note of what's going on in the conversation in our country right now with police brutality. Number two, the capitalist economic system involving the exploitation of labor and resources by the many, of the many, 
by the few, wantonly harming people and the environment, generating conglomerates of global reach and unaccountable power. Global Val, side note, pay attention to the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TPP, uh, quote unquote, free trade agreement that uh, Congress is trying to fast track through right now, which would just decimate, uh, well, business, society, environment around the world as, as, as it would uh, institute basically corporate tribunals in, 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 in member states or member countries who would, ever si who would sign on to the TPP. So basically, if you have a big corporation that is extracting some natural resources or using uh, local labor in a, in a country, and that the people in that country or the government of that country decide that this corporation has been violating some sort of environmental laws or some sort of labor laws, there's gonna they they would set up a special court, special tribunal, uh, th whereby the 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 judges of that of of that tribunal, uh, in, independent of anything else, are actually spend part of their time as the lawyers for the corporations. So I mean, come on, do we do we not see the the the, writing, the bloody writing on the wall? All right, let me get back to Wilps. Uh, <laughs> root causes of war. Number three, the nation-state system as it is today, involving dominant states, imperialist projects, interstate rivalry, occupation, contested borders, and inside those borders, all too often, failure of democracy, political repression, and intolerance of diversity. Again, folks, let's look around. Have walls ever really helped anybody? other than to uh, throw rocks at them or throw or, or shoot bombs over them, it doesn't stop anything. It just creates more war and more division. And if we look at even in our country right now, which, you know, we have so much pride that it was founded on the freedom of religion. Well, since 9-11, how much anti-Islam uh, anti-Islamic Islamophobia has has come up in our, in our society around dinner tables and in our institutionalized police state. Uh, you know, thousands of, of of Muslim Americans were rounded up after 9/11 and falsely imprisoned, and now it's we see it so much in, in our in, in our mainstream media and everything. And we just have to remember. Diversity is a beautiful thing, and we can all get along even though we have different ideas. I think that's, I think that's where we're going here. Number four, social systems of racist supremacy, cultural domination, and religious hierarchy. All right. Number five or six, as a root cause of war, according to the Women's International League of Peace and Freedom, patriarchy. The subordination of women by men in state, community, and family, perpetuated by the social shaping of men and women into contrasted, unequal, and limiting gender identities, favoring violent masculinities and compliant femininities. We understand these as intersected and mutually reinforcing systems of power, all founded on violence, and together, productive of war. We undertake with urgency the strive to strive creatively to bring about before another hundred years have passed 
total worldwide disarmament. Economic systems that will deliver well-being to every human being and other life forms on this precious planet. Multilateral organizations capable of mediating between states and guaranteeing international law. Democratic governance from local to global level. Social systems that accord no privilege to people or peoples of a given physical type, culture, or religion. And the end of male supremacy radical change in the way we live gender, and the fulfillment of women's rights and human rights. Violence is not inevitable. It's a choice. Let me read that again. Violence is not inevitable. It is a choice. We choose nonviolence as means and as end. We will liberate the strength of women, and in partnership with like-minded men, bring to birth a just and harmonious world. We will implement peace, which we believe to be a human right. We will implement peace, which we believe to be a human right. And that is the beginning of WILP's 2015 100-year anniversary manifesto. Manifesto, what manifesto? listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val, and you've been listening to an episode of Women's Magazine from April 24th of 2015. So I want to thank Pam Tastic for getting that podcast on. And uh, But today, I'm actually here live. It is April 29th, 2016. So happy Friday, everybody, recording live here from MutinyRadio.fm here in the Mission District of San Francisco, right there on the corner of 21st and Florida. It's a community resource for independent voices, local musicians, poets, activists, and all sorts of cool folks and artists. We've got some new art up in our gallery space right now, kind of a patchwork quilt work of uh, various characters and, uh, and messages. So 
Mutiny Radio is an evolving organism, and we're here in the community doing this for you and your voice uh, to be heard. And also so that if even if you, uh, you know, maybe you're just looking for something alternative to mainstream media, well, you have stumbled upon the right station. Mutiny Radio prides itself in putting out unique voices and supporting the freedom of speech. And being that it is National Poetry Month, April, we got to celebrate the poetic practice of free speech in the First Amendment last night, right in the halls of government at San Francisco City Hall. It was the 11th annual Poems Under the Dome, where we have this, we, co- we lovingly refer to it as the mother of all open mics, but it also has a featuring, essentially, um, community representative poets from around the city. So the organizers go around to different open mics in advance and uh, do free lottery name draws uh, to try to guarantee someone from each of those reading series to be represented at City Hall. And then we also have a big lucky green hat that you can put your own name in the back and uh, for a spot to read. And it was a really beautiful night last night at City Hall. Um, I would say the majority of the chairs were filled, but uh, definitely the room was filled and, and there was a lot of great energy in there. And, you know, as I walked in today here to Mutiny Radio to hear that podcast playing from last year, uh, reading about the, the WILP manifesto, <laughs> the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, W-I-L-P-F, which is hard to say, WILP. Um, listen, listening to that broadcast from last year it just reminded me that wow so many of these issues are still relevant today um i know it was just a year ago but you'd think that we could you know be maybe moving in a, in, in a you know faster pace past past some of these problems but you know a few months go by in a flash so not we're still dealing with an in a nationwide issue about police brutality Um, police killings right now in the Mission District on 17th uh, and Valencia where the Mission Police Station is we've had a group of residents here San Franciscans who have been staging a hunger strike in front of the police station to try to get them to uh, acknowledge that the police have been killing predominantly people of brown and black skin and uh, in, in you know young young people and in, in many cases in situations where it seemed that the person who was shot and killed by police posed little to no threat to anyone um, and so those hunger strikers are actually calling for the mayor Ed Lee to either step down himself or to fire the current police chief, Chief uh, Greg Sewer. And yeah, a hunger strike. I mean, hunger strikes are something that you that you hear about like happening inside prisons, you know, where people can't get out. So they're subject to all these rules and, and, and uh, conditions. Um, but these are actual just citizens who live here in San Francisco and are fed up and, and just highly, highly concerned about the state of affairs here in San Francisco in terms of the police 
and their relationship with the public. Um, now, I don't have the latest update. I know that they were, as of yesterday, they had been there for seven days. And then um, I only got a brief moment to check in yesterday, and it looked like the police had started to erect barriers outside to try to drive them off. I'm not sure what the update is right now, but um, this is making you know national, international news. I know that the Huffington Post did an article about it, um, and of course all our local local media outlets as well. But um, this is a, a significant you know attention getter because if you look across the nation. I mean, we just see it time and again of, of young people not of light-colored skin getting killed by police in situations where, you know, posing little to no threat. Um, so I think what we're looking at here is about a shift of culture, um, shift of police culture. You know, this sh whole idea of shoot to kill is really out of control. I remember, I, gr I grew up here in San Francisco. And uh, not that old. I'm pretty pretty young, actually. Uh, I grew up here in the 80s, born in the early 80s. And anyhow, I remember having police officers visit my classes for various reasons. They would do outreach, like, you know, they'd tell us about, you know, don't do drugs and um, tell us about the dangers of strangers and you know they were actually doing like community outreach service uh trying to keep kids safe and i'm sure that they still do those kinds of things um, but one of the things that i remember and it, it was coming from the police officers themselves and also community members and my fa my parents and teachers and all the all the adults said when the police stop you if they police stop someone they are not supposed to touch their weapons unless there is clear and present danger basically you know if someone's coming at them and even in that situation they're not going to shoot to kill you know they want it they want to disarm the person they want to you know tamper the threat and, and that was the policy and you know so so we've gone a very far, f we've gone way far beyond that, where every, so many people that I talk to, when they've had interactions with the police, often the police ha have their hand right there on their weapons, or people have had interactions with police, and, and these are nonviolent people, these are people who are just, you know, stopped for something, or, you know, in, in a place where the p police had, had, had arrived, and actually had the police, you know, like, actually, you know, wielding their weapons in these non-violent, non-conflictual situations. So the the whole culture uh, and and policy of authority um, for for what we refer to uh, these days now, tongue in cheek, as peace officers. You know, who we would like to support. We would like to have the peace officers and the good people in our community who want to serve this city and to serve the communities across the country and protect citizens you know i think we like that um but obviously it's gotten um quite out of control so it just made me think about that with the the wilp manifesto uh about you know police violence and and also the environment the environment uh this last weekend i had the the honor of being the MC for the Cesar Chavez Day 
Parade Festival and also the Earth Day Festival, both uh, here in the Mission District. And uh, I had the real honor of introducing uh, the speakers who had been put together by Monica Lopez, um, who's been working a lot about l for labeled GMOs. We had really amazing people come out. Uh, the, the theme of the day was sowing the seeds of change. Um, so we had we had Penny Opal Plant and Osprey Oriel Lake. Um, these are two women who are uh, dedicated to um, the rights of environment and indigenous peoples and, and women. And actually, uh, Osprey is going to be calling into Women's Magazine next Friday, which is May 6th. Um, but they have an event that's coming up tomorrow, and it is the Bay Area Rights of Nature Tribunal. What would the Delta say? So, and um, they're working to recognize the rights of nature in our laws, focusing on the draining of Delta waterways, Delta species extinctions, and the proposed Delta tunnels. It'll be featuring tribunal judges, including Joanna Macy, Gary Mul uh, Mulcahy, Shannon Biggs, and Tim Strochane. So that is tomorrow, Saturday, April 30th, from 9.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. with a discussion to follow at the Nick Rodriguez Community Center Theater that is at 213 F Street in Antioch. Again, that's uh, the Nick Rodriguez Community Center Theater in Antioch. Um, and I've got their, the, the flyer here um, to explain it a little bit more. It says, our laws fail to respect nature's rights to exist, to thrive and evolve. Treating nature as merely resources harms people and the environment. The Bay Area Rights of Nature Tribunal is the first local tribunal modeled after the highly successful International Tribunal on the Rights of Nature, coinciding with the Paris Climate Talks. The tribunal will address violations of nature's rights and human rights caused by Delta water grabs. Join us in creating a new relationship with the Delta and the Earth. Admission is free, but you should RSVP. Uh, it actually RSVP is required. Um, so you can register at therightsofnature.org slash what would the Delta say. Uh, what would the Delta say is divided by hyphen through each word. Um, they're also on Facebook, the Bay Area Rights of Nature Alliance. And if you want to get more details, you can contact, there's a couple people there you can contact, Lindy, uh, Linda Sheehan, that's lsheehan at earthlaw.org, or Shannon Biggs, that's shannon at movementrights.org. Um, so yeah, get out there and be part of this Bay Area Rights of Nature Tribunal. Um, there'll be a discussion, uh, collaboration on and solu discussing solutions and next steps and have insights from Bay Area ecological justice, human rights, local economy, indigenous women's and other groups. And that's presented again by the Bay Area Rights of Nature Alliance, bringing people together to advance nature's rights in the San Francisco Bay and Delta area. So here we are a year after the 100th anniversary of the Women's International League of Peace and Freedom's uh, re-released manifesto. And we see that people are indeed working towards some of these goals in order to form a more peaceful, healthy, and thereby happy world. Thanks for listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val. I'm really happy to be here. I'm very grateful to be part of this 
uh, worldwide community. And so let me play a little music for you. It is National Poetry Month. Here's a little John Trudell, and it's called Poetic Motion. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm. Every way, every day turns. Some say our fates are sealed. Anyway, the candle burns. The harvest is the yield. She isn't Barbie, but she's had her chance at last. She isn't hard. She knows difference some streets make. She isn't easy, but she's taken long search looking for love. She isn't young, but she's not as old as she feels at times. She isn't old, but she never really got over being young. She isn't running, but she seemed rough in a world too tough. listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val here on MutinyRadio.fm. And I also want to let you know that we've come into the 21st century. I know it's 2016. I know, I know. But, um, you know, Mutiny Radio, we're a community station. So, you know, we've got a bunch of DJs here where we pay our dues and we piece things together and make sure that we all our equipment works and we've got the lights on and the doors can stay open pretty basic stuff we're not here making any money off of our broadcasting 
believe me. But, um, you know, and we produce, of course, a lot, almost everything here is original or it's local music and, and we get the blessing of, of those who, who contribute their music to the show and their work to the shows. Um, and so what's exciting in the 21st century part is that you can now listen to Women's Magazine and the Common Thread Collective, which comes up next with me and Diamond Dave and all our friends. You can now access that on Stitcher. Whatever, you know, I mean, if, if you're a Stitcher person, if you've got that app and you actually listen to other podcasts, you're awesome for listening to podcasts. And thank you for going through the mutinyradio.fm website, which, of course, also shows up at, as pcrcollective.org. Um, but now it can be super automatic. Uh, you can just go straight through in Stitcher. You can look up Women's Magazine with Global Val and the Common Thread Collective and uh, you can subscribe I believe and listen whenever you want so if that's a, a better feature for you and your friends please go listen to us through there uh, we'd love we'd love to expand um, the access to this show and uh, I want to take the next couple minutes and tell you about some events that are coming up um Speaking of speaking of uh, looking at the environment and how we can save ourselves and the planet and all life on planet Earth. So on May 2nd um, in Hayward, right there in the East Bay, it's going to be a fracking showdown at the Planning Commission. So on Monday, May 2nd at 5.45 to 8 p.m. at 224 West Winton Avenue in Hayward, California, um, they're going to the Planning Commission um, and uh, to try to get to try to ban fracking. So here's here's what they're doing here. This is from a food and water watch. It says, guess what? oil industry the game is up the showdown is on we've been pushing to ban fracking and other extreme oil extraction methods in alameda county for years at every turn the oil industry has thrown up roadblocks but the people of alameda county have a message we're tired of waiting we demand the strongest ban on fracking and extreme extraction possible it's the only thing that will protect our water our families and our health and we won't be silent uh join the Food and Water Watch uh, for the most critical hearing of the campaign yet, a showdown at the Planning Commission. Um, so you should definitely check out foodandwaterwatch.org, and there, it's all right there on their calendar. Actually, one of the speakers last week at Earth Day was the Northern California organizer for Food and Water Watch, uh, Ella Tivan, and she was very very positive and, and, and ebullient and she had a lot of great information to share um, about what Food and Water Watch is trying to do and did you know this is something I learned from Earth Day did you know that the water so fracking right fracking like shoots millions of gallons of water and and poisonous chemicals deep deep, deep into the earth, into these shale beds to try to release the last remaining fossil fuels, uh, oils and gases. Um, but then they have all these, you know, for, to, to try to maintain levels of uh, oil and gas uh, in, the, in the economy that we live in and we drive our cars on mostly. 
So, I mean, we, 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 we throw around the word toxic chemicals, but these are just highly poisonous chemicals, um, benzene and other things um, that get mixed into this water, shot deep into the earth, um, you know, through the water table, all sorts of things. Um, but then there's all this water that, that is left over, this, uh, this, this water that's, that's been used to frack. And so it's this really poisonous, highly toxic, terrible water that some of the farms in, in California are using to irrigate our crops. Namely, you know those little halo clementines that you see at the store all over with those cute little stickers of faces of little, little, you know, little oranges, you know, ding, got their halo up there or they're, you know, they've got a snow hat on and they're going through the snow and it says cool, you know, it's got a great uh, appealing little cuteness to their, to their product. Um, and actually I read a box uh, of, 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 it read the the box that they came in and it, and it says it's non-gmo so you're like hey it's non-gmo it's kind of cheap it's right here at my store but according to food and water watch the people who grow halos are using fracking water to irrigate the crops that's just one thing i learned at earth day last week so if you don't want to be eating food that is using poisonous chemical-laced water uh, to irrigate it, you might want to contact these companies who are actually purchasing this fracked water, uh, fr fracking water, uh, to irrigate their crops. And you might want to check out what foodandwaterwatch.org are looking into. Um, so if you're interested in trying to ban fracking in Alameda County, you can go out Monday night, May 2nd, 545 to 8 p.m. to the Planning Commission meeting. Again, that's at 224 West Winton Avenue in Hayward, California. Sorry, I had to let you know. Uh, sometimes the truth is ugly, but uh, we need to know these things and, and we can't turn our back and ignore it. And so I want to thank everybody who came out to Earth Day and Cesar Chavez Day last week um, to, to share what is possible. And we know that there has been a huge uh, victory against fracking in New York State. And so if New York can do it, folks, so can California. Trying to isolate us in a dimension called loneliness. Greed, a parent. Insecurity, the happiness companion. Genocide conceived in sophistication. Technologic material civilization, a rationalization, replacing a way to live. Trying to isolate us in a dimension called loneliness. To God, we hope you don't mind, but we would like to talk to you. There are some things we need to straighten out. It's about these Christians. They claim to be from your nation. But man, you should see the things they do all the time, blaming it on you. Manifest destiny, genocide, maximized profit, sterilization, raping the earth, lying, taking more than they need in all the forms of the greed. We ask them why. They say it's God's will. Damn God, they make it so hard. Remember Jesus? Would you send him back to them? Tell them not to kill him. Rather, they should listen. Stop abusing his name and yours. We do not mean to be disrespectful. 
But you know how it is. Our people have their own ways. We never even heard of you until not long ago. Your representative spoke magnificent things of you, which we were willing to believe. But from the way they acted, we know you and we were being deceived. We do not mean you or your Christian children any bad, but you all came to take all we had. We have not seen you, but we have heard so much. It is time for you to decide what life is worth. We already remember, but maybe you forgot. Look at us. Look at us. We are of earth and water. Look at them. It is the same. Look at us. We are suffering all these years. Look at them. They are connected. Look at us. We are in pain. Look at them, surprised at our anger. Look at us. We are struggling to survive. Look at them, expecting sorrow be benign. Look at us. We are the ones called pagan. Look at them on their arrival. Look at us, we are called subversive. Look at them descending from name callers. Look at us, we wept sadly in the long dark. Look at them hiding in technologic light. Look at us, we buried the generations. Look at them inventing the body count. Look at us, we are older than America. Look at them chasing a fountain of youth. Look at us, we are embracing earth. Look at them clutching today. Look at us, we are living in the generations. Look at them existing in jobs and death. Look at us, we have escaped many times. Look at them, they cannot remember. Look at us, we are healing. Look at them, their medicine is patented. Look at us, we are trying. Look at them, what are they doing? Look at us, we are children of earth. Look at them, who are they? listening to mutinyradio.fm again that was a little poetry and music from John Trudell uh, who just passed over to the other plane a few months a couple months ago actually um, he speaks for himself this is free speech radio um, but one thing I wanted to highlight being this, this is women's magazine um, I got a I got a notice today from the NARAL uh, pro-choice um, campaign um, and there's a petition out there right now to tell Congress to repeal the anti-choice gag rule on AmeriCorps um, so AmeriCorps is, is a volunteer organization um, that engages in various uh, jobs like teaching and, and community resources um, uh, across the country and and it's kind of a cool program because if you're an AmeriCorps volunteer you get a stipend but then once you finish your AmeriCorps service you get a reduction of your student loans um, so it's nice it's it's kind of a cool transition out of college uh, into a career path per, per chance or at least to gain some experience and you're also you know you're also serving communities across the country so AmeriCorps um, so um, l let me read to you a little bit about this uh, petition that that, that NARAL Pro-Choice has, has been uh, is talking about. So AmeriCorps volunteers work to strengthen communities that need it most, and the health centers they staffed often serve low-income people and people of color. But if a woman goes to one of these centers seeking abortion care, AmeriCorps volunteers are prevented by law from helping her by providing full information about reproductive health care options. Um, so there is this, this gag order on AmeriCorps to not 
help women access legal abortions. Um, they're essentially, if, if somebody comes to them and are asking about, you know, uh, these, these reproductive health you know, problems or options. Um, by law, AmeriCorps volunteers have this gag order and they're supposed to kind of play dumb and and not help them if they want to obtain an abortion. So this is this is by law here in, in, in this country. So um Scenario Pro Choice has a petition right now to tell Congress to repeal the gag rule that prevents AmeriCorps volunteers from referring women for abortion care. Um so Definitely check it. Check that out. Um, I posted on my Facebook page. Nayral is N A R A L Pro Choice America, um, and they're they're you know they're just looking out to protect this you know this right to uh, to abortion, which is a right for women to choose what to do with their bodies and uh, and their lives. And um, it's been legal since Roe versus Wade, but we could, we've seen that. Even since then, um, there's a huge push of, you know, moral high ground um, that are against abortion. And, you know, it doesn't really matter to me whether or not you believe in abortion, you know, or not, or how you feel about it. I'm sure, you know, there's not always just a black and white, um, there's a lot of gray area. Uh, of course, when we think about women who, or girls, you know, who are, who are raped and become pregnant, um, you know, thinking about areas of this country where abortion has been highly limited, um, maybe, maybe all the clinics in your state have been closed. And so, Maybe you're a 16-year-old trying to get across two states to try to get an abortion or, you know, stay home and, and have your, um, the, the baby that you uh, got impregnated with because you were raped. Um, maybe it was somebody you know. Maybe it was somebody you don't know. Most likely it was somebody you know, um, statistically speaking. Um, and, of course, you know, pregnancy is, is highly risky. Um, you know, health-wise, a lot, a lot of things can happen to the woman, um, and often it's it comes down to a choice between the woman's life and the unborn child's life. And uh, you know, there's a lot of people in this country who say doesn't matter about the woman. Um, we're pro-life. We want you know we want to support this unborn child. But my question is, if you're pro-life, are you willing to let a woman die? Just a question. Enchanting today with your magic. Tomorrow can't help but to be good. You brought the world back to me when I thought I wanted to drift away. You're my heart take, taking me to joy, gentling me during a life storm, lifting me between the clouds and the sky, bringing me in view of the sun. The first time your eyes caressed mine, to say it was like magic is to tame the gentle passion and moments shared in the seeing of a glance. You took my hand and opened my heart to the beauty of what I did not see. I tried to understand why and how these things happen, but you explained so much with your laughing eye to make me not waste my time worrying or wondering is this meant to be. The first time your eyes caressed mine, the winds sang their songs. 
The sunshine shivered with joy, warming the life within me. Tender love and sheltered moments, blowing my mind from the beginning. I was drifting through, trying, trying to live a life. Good things happening suddenly. When the days were dark, you brought the sunlight nights, touching me in your being. Tender love and shelter moments. You were fame, you were fortune, you were peace, you were vision. Things I thought I wanted and things I really needed, blowing my mind from the beginning. Your kiss melted the night. Beauty burned in forever fires. Heartbreak, heart beating wild, flaming love, sparks and stars showering the world. Tomorrow is today is yesterday. In your kiss, time didn't have a chance. Tender love and sheltered moments. Sparks of love flying all over the earth. That's what we'd like to see here. That's what I'd like to see. You're listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val. Thanks for listening. Uh, another event that's coming up, I want to make the announcement about uh, San Francisco event. Um, on May Thursday, May 5th, there's going to be a city hall hearing, um, and it's going to be talking about um, Supervisor David Campos, who has proposed legislation to create more navigation centers in San Francisco. And the navigation centers are for the homeless. We have a huge homeless crisis right now in San Francisco and a housing crisis in general. Um, la- last count, um, as of a couple months ago, a report came out that there were s- 7,000 homeless people in San Francisco. And um, these big, you know, kind of homeless camps popped up on Division Street and down on Bayshore. Um, it was wild. They were just like streets, streets, just like filled and lined with tents. Um, and of course, the cost of living here in San Francisco is exorbitant. So a lot of these people who are homeless on the streets of San Francisco are former residents of San Francisco with an address who can no longer afford to live in their apartments because there's such a huge rent hike. Um, and, uh, you know... Well, the culture of greed. Hey, um, let's just say it out there. So um, if you are available to go chime in uh, at the um, at this meeting, the city hall hearing, again, it's going to be Thursday, May 5th. It starts at 9.30 a.m. This is going to be the second item on the agenda, and uh, it's at city hall in room 263. Room 263, Thursday, May 5th, starting at 9.30 a.m., um, so uh, to discuss the, the solutions, what are some of the solutions to, st- to uh, these street encampments? Um, you know, I want you to just imagine that uh, y- you've been kicked out and yet you still have a job in your town, but you can't afford the rent anymore. Um, but you have uh, you have your, your job here, your friends here, your doctors here, uh, your friends uh, nearby or, or not. Maybe they're far away. Um, and then you're forced to choose between trying to leave town without a job um, or live in town, maybe in your car if you have one, or join the many, many people who are living on the streets and have limited or no access to uh, bathroom facilities, showers, um, you know, your mail, um, correspondence. Uh, It's a very serious situation and a lot of people here are in San Francisco are, are trying to work towards solutions. Um, there's the San Fr- St. Francis Homelessness Challenge uh, group um, that was formed by Amy Weiss and um, 
and, and they've been doing a lot. So I just want to let you guys know that you can go out there to the to the government audit and oversight committee meeting um, to uh, to to uh, hear about and discuss Supervisor Campus's navigation center legislation, which would require the city to build more navigation centers and to address street homelessness. And so it's going to be heard and voted on at that committee meeting. So I'm going to end the show today. It is National Poetry Month, but I like to end the show with poetry anyway. And this is about a homeless man that I have uh, recently had some interactions with. TJ's sign says that he's dying. And I believe him. Over four months, he's gotten more gray and gaunt. And today, his sign asked for someone to give him a chance. And that Friday might be his last. I find that he's crying. So I give up my green light right of way and stay to stay hello. Ask him where he has to go. Golden Gate Park, he says. Are there good people or bad people there these days? Depends on where you go. Ask him if he's got a friend. There's one. I tell him. I don't know what I can do for him, but I promise to keep checking in. Tell him not to stay in the shadow too long. Move into the sun and be warm. I touch his shoulder as I depart, so perhaps he'll feel the healing in his heart. I'm Global Val. Thanks for tuning in to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. Be sure to tune in to Women's Magazine on KPFA 94.1 FM on Mondays from 1 to 2 p.m. And, uh, Keep being good to each other, all right? And remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, like trying to save the planet, that inspiration is contagious. Oh, man. People ask me why I write so many suicide jokes. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not like writing these. I'm not like sitting down every day like, here we go, more suicide jokes, guys. <laughs> I just think about it constantly, you know? <laughs> suicide is a lot like sex in that like you can be far too inept to accomplish it, uh, but it's one of the hardest things in the world to not think about. You know what I mean? Huh? Yeah. No? Yeah. All right, I'm going to make you happy now. Here we go. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, fuck. Oh, man. Uh, one of the worst parts about not giving a fuck about what anybody else says is it's impossible to be cheered up. There's no... I'm just like, I don't care what you're fucking saying. <laughs> Doesn't affect me. Oh, God damn it. I don't need any of that shit. I don't like compliments. I don't like compliments and I don't like apologies, which is a weird run of things where people be like, oh, you're good. I'm like, don't do that. And they're like, I'm sorry. I'm like, fucking stop. Just leave me alone. No more talking. Cool. All right, here's where I make you happy. So I'm going to do some animal impressions for you guys. Do you guys like animal impressions? Okay, here we go. I'll do one. All right. Go ahead and guess. It's more fun if you guess. So just go ahead and if you think you got it, just share it out. Alright guys, I'll do another one. I'll do another one. 
That's a wolf. <laughs> different kind of wolf. Totally different. Like those wolves don't even know each other. Totally s separate wolves. All right, I'll do another one. Cousin of the wolf. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm out of here. Yay! Give it up for Zach Wiseman. So a strange thing has happened in podcast world. We've switched over to Pamtastic. So hello, new audience of Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse here on MutinyRadio.fm. That was Zach Wiseman filling up the happy hour. You should go back and listen to that other podcast with the 27 comedians I got in tonight. Holy fuck. Oh my God, that was so much work. Uh, but we're gonna have, we're, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna take a 10 minute break with commercials and we're gonna be back with the most amazing Pamtastics I think in a long time. The theme is divorce. Why did I come up with this theme? That today is my ex-husband's birthday. Yes, it is, 1973. It was uh, 6-10-73, a lot of passwords for us over the years, you know what I mean? Uh, so it was his birthday and I was like, what am I gonna do tonight? This is a divorce theme show. Everyone here is divorced. I am, Ira Summer is, Jeremy Adkins, Annette Mullaney, Richard Dryling, Brandon Gardner, Amy Bebo, and Jesse Hett are all divorced comedians, which is wonderful. So you guys are gonna stay here, clap it up for them. Uh, things that are happening, I'm gonna start running the door. It's five bucks, but what you get is a pot treat. Uh, it's a medicated marijuana treat uh, because no one listens to this show. They're not coming after us, right? Next week, they're like coming in the door. Just kidding. I mean, no, really, they're, they're over there. Uh, but we're going to have a good time. You guys stay tuned. Uh, keep listening if you're listening to the podcast or fast forward 10 minutes. That's fine, too. Uh, everybody on the inside, we're going to smoke cigarettes and drink and then come back in and have an amazing show tonight. Yay, Mutiny Radio. Everybody say yay, Mutiny Radio. Yay, Mutiny Radio. Okay. We'll be back in 10 minutes. Bye. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> My friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. 
And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. Yeah. Want to go to Burning Man, but you don't have the right goggles, costume, or attitude? Visit 20 Mission Hive at 2415 Mission Street between 20th and 21st in the heart of the Mission District. Easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship to your 20 Mission Hive vendor for a special 10% discount on the coolest, most original items in San Francisco. That's 20 Mission Hive with eight vendors and like them on Facebook at 20 Mission Hive. 20 Mission Hive for awesome events and updates. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk. Come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. Do you need 
an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find counter-offer, and my offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini. And creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They get them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son. What could be happier than 23 comics doing jokes for each other and at a radio listening audience? Puppets, kittens, unicorns, porn maybe? Oh, well, Sage Shine makes them happy and this super happy comedy open mic is open every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. But you can also listen anytime by downloading the podcast at Mutiny Radio FM Index at podcasts.pcrcollective.org. 
So come live or listen later or to every happy hour mic Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. at Radio FL Mutiny Radio. I just fucked that up again. What the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah! I got it. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl! Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. Welcome to Friday Night! Yay! It's Friday night. It's time for Pimtastic's Comedy Clubhouse here on Mutiny Radio.fm. Yeah! Uh, today, hey, welcome everybody to the show. Yay! Yay! I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. I'll be uh, warming up the crowd uh, while the crowd filters in from outside since they all love smoking cigarettes, which I, I do love. Smoking cigarettes. I got. It. I stole some ones that was lit off of the little thing over there, and I uh, hope they don't mind. Hey, welcome to Fantastic Comedy Clubhouse! Yay! Uh, the reason that we have this themed show tonight of divorce is that it's my ex-husband's birthday today. Yeah, uh, June 10th is his was his birthday, and so I thought, how better to celebrate it than to talk about his tiny penis? Like that's. <laughs> That's great. It's actually, this is an excellent year for me because this is the first year that I've been divorced more years than I was married. So I was married for seven years, uh, and now I've, I've been divorced for eight, and so that's exciting for me. Uh, it, thank you for clapping. It officially demarcates a whole new time in my life. Like, that seven years, that's nothing. Uh, but so, yeah, I was, um, I was married, and I, I, I met my husband like most waspy ladies do uh, I went to a four-year university to get my MRS 
That's you know, some people get a BA, some people get a BFA, some people get a BS. I got an MRS. It felt good. It's like getting a MFA and BS when you get your MRS because you have to learn to lie and say all kinds of things you don't mean like yeah your dick is huge <laughs> that's, it feels so good that's exactly what was happening actually that isn't the way it started out I met my husband in college he lived across the street from me uh, in the apartment dorms so I we were down at UCSD and uh, we were down there in the Ravel uh, what was it called I can't remember there Anyways, we were in these apartments, and he was across the street, and we used to smoke pot at 420, uh, and we called it Darkwing Ducking, because in 1992, <laughs> that's what was on at 4 o'clock, was Darkwing Duck, and we weren't allowed to smoke pot back then, so we'd say, oh, we're going to Darkwing Duck. This is the beginning of my relationship, when we actually had something in common, when we both used to smoke pot. That was great. Uh, well, we ended up... Uh, we had a first date, and uh, we finished it. It was a blind date with some of my friends, but they tried to set me up with him, and I remember after the first date, I said, he is totally not my type, and then I married him. Uh, but yeah, he totally was not my type. He did make a lot of money, which was great. Uh, emergency veterinarian. Got those uh, ducats in the buckets. It was nice. We were allowed to have animals because I could afford the food. It's <laughs> was in less expensive than. Uh, anyways, did I mention that my ex-husband has a small penis? Did I? Did I already? Okay. Yeah. Here's the other thing I didn't say. He's an African-American gentleman. So, and I was a virgin when I got married. Uh, I'd never had sex before, and I was raised super Christian, and I was like, oh, my pussy is all my worth, and my intellectual being is nothing. I just have to save the puss, and everything will be great. It'll pay for everything for the rest of my life, right? Great. So um, I, I got married, and, and we had sex, and, I, and everybody would always say, wow, he's black. He must have a huge dick. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, huge, you know, because <laughs> it was it was his perspective. I never watched porn because I was a good Christian girl, and that's just not something I did. I was just ashamed of my body, like every other Christian girl, right? Because <laughs> it's the only thing that you're worth. So you better protect that shit till you pop the babies out. Am I right? Uh, so I didn't pop any babies out, but we did have sex for a while, and people were saying, "Oh, huge dick!" Huge. I'm like, "Yeah, it's, it's enormous. It's amazing. It's huge." Uh, and, and then, when we finally got divorced, I moved to San Francisco, and I had sex with my first white guy, and I was like, holy fuck, your dick is huge. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, it's kind of it's average, really. And I was like, what? It's perspective. That's a perspective thing. It's like, wow. <laughs> I didn't, I never had a dildo either. He wouldn't, and that's what it should have tipped me off, right? He never, in the seven years of our marriage, and we had been dating for five years previous to our seven-year marriage. We were together for 13 years, and he never let me have a dildo, and I was always like, but why? Why? And now I know, because he had a tiny dick. He was worried about feeling jealous about my, we were young, you know, in your 20s, you're just so vulnerable with your sexuality. It's just, it's so rough. Why was I married? Uh, it was... It was such an awful, it wasn't an awful time. You know, now I look back at it and I think it's awful because if I would have started comedy when I was 21, imagine how funny I would be. Uh, I, I didn't start comedy until I was 36 because I had to leave my husband and then, you know, like go to school and get a graduate degree, an MFA, and then I was like, oh, I have a poetry degree. I'm never going to make money. Comedy is the thing for me. This is it. This is what's going to save me from 
my ex-husband's money. Okay, so here's the thing. I have a lot of integrity, and I believe that integrity makes genius. And this is how I know I'm a genius, because I didn't take any money from my ex-husband. No, I'm not kidding you. We owned a house in San Diego. I didn't take any money from the house. I didn't take half. We were married for seven years. And I was like, you know what? I can do it on my own. I'm a woman. I can take care of myself. I don't need your alimony, palimony bullshit. I can fucking do this. Biggest regret of my life. I could have been getting $1,600 a month for seven years. What kind of dumb bitch am I? Let's do comedy and go to grad school and pay for it in cash. Integrity. Woo! Woo! I could have had $1,600 a month for seven years. I am fucking retarded. Uh, also, the, the house, which I told him, I just keep the house. I just had to get out of there. I'm, I'm dumb. Being a communist is a terrible thing. I should have never <laughs> been, I'm like, share everything. Like a, you know, when I was married, the craziest thing is we would go to Costco and, uh, and we would buy tons and tons of shit we didn't need and freeze it. Uh, and it, it was a weird thing. We had this joke and it was like, this is now this, this is a married bourgeois joke. Oh my God, you guys. Every god time, every goddamn time, I go to Costco. I can't get out of there for under 150 bucks. Am I right? <laughs> I just can't stop spending money at Costco. <laughs> I walk out and I'm like, oh, another pair of Calvin Klein's. Fantastic. For $9? How is this possible? <laughs> Enslaving small children. I love it. Uh, I was never able, well, no, we, you know, we tried. We tried to have babies. It just never worked. Uh, and I'm so glad that I didn't have a baby. Because uh, I would be living in an enormous house in San Diego overlooking the canyon with a spa, you know, with the orchid tree over the top. That's where I would have been. It would have been. But I would have wanted to kill myself because that's, <laughs> yeah, working at Ethan Allen is no fun. That's, no, it is fun. It's fun for the first three years till you realize, like, I work in a huge dollhouse. <laughs> so people can feel good about themselves by having better furniture than their neighbors. I'm a corporate cog in a wheel of consumerism, and my husband has a tiny penis. <laughs> like, what am I? I had to fucking get out of San Diego. Am I right? Well, uh, so guys, I've been here in San Francisco for coming on nine years now. And uh, thank you for being here. Today's actually my anniversary of uh, being the director of the station for three years, so I'm pretty stoked on that. Yeah, let's see if I was, I was... I was married for seven, so it's the longest thing I've ever done. Uh, so I've got to beat that, you know what I mean? I've got to do something else for seven years, a job and anything. Uh, but I lived in San Francisco for nine, so that's better than a fucking job. Yay. Yay, that was me doing comedy for the divorce show, talking about my husband's tiny penis. I'm so glad I got to say that. I was hanging out with a nine-year-old today, and I was telling her about the show, and she's like, why is it all divorced people? I'm like, you know I'm divorced. She's like, oh, I know. And she's like, and I said, why? She said, why did you do this? This was my ex-husband's birthday. And she goes, is he going to be listening live? And I said, Daria, he doesn't give a fuck about me. <laughs> no, I didn't say fuck. I said shit. Because nine-year-olds, you can say shit to a nine-year-old. And they're like, that's not a swear. Uh, but <laughs> she, I was like, I could, I could be a bitch, and I could send it to his Facebook once it's a podcast. And she's like, are you going to do that? I'm like, he really doesn't care. He's not going to. No one's going to listen to it. It's OK. Uh, but 32,000 other people are downloading and listening to this podcast. Let's sing the song. If you know how it goes, sing along with me. M-U-T-I-N-Y, comedy, clubhouse, comedy. Clubhouse. Comedy. Clubhouse. Together we will bring our jokes up high. High, high, high. 
if you eat the brownie cookie thing, you won't cough. M-U-T-I-N-Y Comedy Clubhouse. You want to come inside my clubhouse? Yay! Yay! You're already here, and your first comedian is an amazing guy. I'm so excited that he's here. He's been divorced. He runs amazing shows at Spice Monkey in Oakland, as well as other places. Clap wildly for Ira Summer! Oh, thank you, thank you. All right, I guess, I don't know if I have to announce my qualifications. I was married for 22 and a half years, and, uh, and oh, sorry, yeah, that's what that deserves. And, uh, and just hit seven and a half years divorced. So, um, yeah, and unlike Pam, who measures in full years, I still love my divorce very much, so I measure in half years. Every half year we celebrate. It's a wonderful thing, it's great. Um, you know, and the thing is, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people think, you know, I, when I mention I'm divorced, that I must have been a bad husband, and I wasn't. I was a good husband. If I was a bad husband, I'd be telling you I was a widower. <laughs> and the thing is, divorce, divorce isn't necessarily that you have somebody to blame. After 20 plus years, you change. You change after a while. I mean, when I, my, my, my wife married me because she thought I was really funny and I laughed at everything, and then she divorced me because I laughed at everything. <laughs> so, yeah, and then stuff, you know, stuff, we did little things that got on each other's nerves. Like, uh, like I snored and she couldn't sleep at night and that really, really bothered her. I mean, I guess she figured that with a nose like this I'd be able to breathe enough, but no, that wasn't quite right. <laughs> And, uh, and it got on my nerves the way she would like uh, stuff a pillow over my face at night to muffle out the <laughs> snoring. So, you know, everybody has little things that bother you either way. You know, the thing is, after, after 20 plus years, when you've been married that long, you're not, you know, you get out in the real, the real world and, you know, you want to go date, but you're not ready to date. You've got to figure out who you are all over again. Uh, my friends, my friends wanted to sort of, you know, shove me out there, you know, like running on traffic on the freeway. So, you know, they started setting me up on blind dates, uh, which is when I found out that my friends clearly don't like me very much. <laughs> you know, they're sending me a, a very, very consistent message. You seem really, really depressed. Let me show you somebody who deserves to be depressed. <laughs> yeah. God went through about a, a year of that before I decided, I can do this on my own. I can find depressing women. How hard can it be? <laughs> and I used to have game. I used to have game. I mean, it was, it was a different game. It was 70s game. It was a completely different game. <laughs> it, it's like basically saying, I'd like to apply for a job at Google. I used to program on a Commodore 64. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised some of you millennials actually know what that is. Okay. Uh, no, just, just Friday. Everything, dating has changed so much since I used to date. It's just, I mean, now it's, the whole thing is online. How many of you have, have tried online dating? Come on, admit it. All right. Yeah. All right. No, it's different. And the thing is, I, 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 work, I work with a startup. I work with, I work with a bunch of millennials who are telling me, dude, dude, you got to get on Tinder. Ah. <laughs> uh, and I'm going, no, no, Tinder is not for me. Look, I'm a realist. All right. This is not an impulse buy. That's, that's, not, that's not the way it works. It's, uh, there's, no, there's no woman on Tinder going, ooh, ooh, swipe right, I wanna fuck Voldemort. No, that's not, that's not what this is. No, I mean, okay, fine. There's somebody for everywhere. Somewhere, somewhere there's a woman out there going, I'd love to meet a Jew that looks just like a Nazi. And that's my target demographic. But where are you gonna find? I, I don't know where I'm gonna find somebody like this. I mean, realistically, realistically, I need to trick somebody into dating me. That's, that's something that might work for me. 
Um, I've heard that you know, basically if you can get through four dates without a restraining order, it's a relationship. <laughs> so that's what I go for. And if she doesn't know I'm there for the first four dates, that really increases my chances. I didn't know they had to be my dates, so I just I figure anybody's dates that I show up at are close enough, right? Yeah, he's agreeing. That's his style too, with the tattoos on the head. Okay, I can understand that. <laughs> No, just trying. Uh, the uh, got the other stuff that that popped up. I guess people are people are hurting each other now. The whole BDSM thing is it uh, didn't happen in the 70s. Nobody talked about it in the 70s. So uh, n you know, I, I don't I don't get that. That's clearly not something middle-aged people do. I don't need to have somebody to hurt to have somebody try and hurt me. I'm already hurting before the whole thing works. <laughs> this is this is more of please don't make this. Oh my God, you're on my arm. Oh no, not that. No, no, the knee, not the knee. No. Turn left. Ah! <laughs> yeah, and somehow you people are actually working towards that. Yeah, okay. No, it's uh, no try. I you know at this point I, I basically I'm trying I try to talk to women. I try to work on my game wherever I am, any place I go. Um, you know whether it's at a you know meeting at a gas station. You know uh, uh, how you doing? Can I buy you a couple gallons of gas? Uh, <laughs> how many bodies fit in that trunk? Maybe two, three. Yeah. It's the kind of stuff we learn in New Jersey. No, or, or grocery store. Actually, uh, you know, my uh, you know recently I had a family get together, and um, you know, my I'm, I grew up Jewish, so basically my family love is measured in in guilt and saturated fats. So we need to have as much food as possible showing up over there, and my family's picking up all the food. But they sent me off to pick up the food for the family members who don't actually eat real food anymore because I was a bad father and I let my son turn vegan. Um, and it's not, it, he didn't do this for diet reasons. Um, he did it, he did it because he's against animal cruelty. And I don't know where he got that from because that's not the way I raised my child. But I still, I think, you know, it, uh, now I have to go pick up the stuff. So my mother sends me this list of stuff to pick up the grocery store for these people. And she starts off with this whole thing to pick up cashew milk. Because I guess there's milk for people who don't drink milk. And there's a whole section of food at the grocery store, milk for people who don't drink milk. I guess because it's not fair. Everything has to be fair these days. Oh no, you can't have your cereal dry. Life it's the end of the ride. I guess that's why they pulled they pulled the seesaws out of the parks because oh it's not fair. Somebody has to be down. The other person's going to be up. Life is not fair. <laughs> God, they they banned playing ball at this elementary school in upstate New York because kids were getting hurt. Life's not fair. Kids are getting hurt. Why do we care the kids? Are, six year olds. Six year olds can hurt. Six year olds heal. You're pretty close to that right now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, you can chop a six-year-old's hand off at the beginning of recess. It will grow back before he is supposed to be in his seat. <laughs> and getting hurt by the jocks at recess is how you find out you're supposed to become an artist or an engineer. <laughs> no, that's what makes America great. How many times do you think Mark Zuckerberg got hit in the face with a football before he decided, ooh, I better learn how to program. I think I need to create Facebook. <laughs> that's exactly how Mark Zuckerberg sounds. Now, how many times do you think Prince got beaten by a dodgeball before he wrote When Doves Cry? <laughs> no, no, this is, this is what makes America great. If we stop that, we're just turning into Canada. No, it's <laughs> awful. No, so yeah, I gotta, pick up, I gotta pick up this. And when did they start milking cashews? When did they start milking cashews? I hope they're free-range cashews. Happy cashews make the best milk. No, it's got, no, oh, Tofurky was on the list. I don't, you're going, oh, you know what tofurkey is. Tofurkey is tofu that identifies as turkey. 
it's somehow there were soybeans somewhere that decided, no, no, I want to get killed on Thanksgiving. That's who I am. And it's basically, it's the Caitlyn Jenner of tofu. It's, which means you can't bring it into a bathroom in North Carolina. And I think that's a little bit of a problem because after I tried some of that, going to the bathroom is exactly where I went. Uh, that stuff is the most of the tofurkey cleanse. You've got to try it yourself. If you haven't tried it before, stuff was coming out of me that had, you know, like for months and months before that I hadn't even seen. Wonderful stuff. Oh, God. No, they sent me, they sent me to get hummus. Hummus. I love hummus. Hummus is wonderful. You know, but I'm looking around the grocery store and I don't see any hummus. So I look for the guy, I look for somebody who's working. I go, excuse me, where can I find the hummus? And he starts to glare at me. And he goes, uh, Hamas? <laughs> we haven't gotten you that Hamas here. Do you really like Hamas? Now, all the questions a Jew is not prepared to answer yes to, <laughs> you know, right after, um, do you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? <laughs> and, uh, and wouldn't you rather pay more for that? <laughs> is, uh, do you really like Hamas? <laughs> But I've got to bring food to my family. So uh, I figure, sure, I love Hamas. Um, but they didn't have any. Uh, so I grabbed the next best thing, which was uh, chocolate donuts. <laughs> and, uh, and I got in the checkout line. And, uh, and, this is, and the checkout lines are really why I have learned to love Safeway. Because Safeway ignores people in the checkout lines. I mean, I think that is the most amazing thing. It's great. I can actually just, you know, I can start talking to the woman behind me, and she's left with a dilemma. Either she abandons her food, or she's got to flirt with me for a while. <laughs> so this is, this is my spot. I'm excited. Time, it is good. Uh, so, you know, I'm having a nice conversation, starting out with, uh, how you doing? Can I buy you some tofurkey? <laughs> it's, uh, I'm working on it. It's getting better. Uh, you know, we're having a nice conversation. The line's moving closer. And uh, so she, uh, she goes, uh, excuse me, has, uh, has anybody ever told you that you look like Vin Diesel? <laughs> Except older? <laughs> and a little less diesel? And you know, I'm not the kind of person who's gonna make a real big display in a grocery store, but in my head I'm thinking, Oh, she's into me. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's into me. Just say something macho and close. So I look her in the eye, and I go, I hang out at Home Depot. <laughs> I admit, I'm a little out of practice. But I thought that was better than the tofurkey line, uh, partly because um, it makes it sound like I'm handy. And I know women like guys who are handy. Pretend, just for the purpose <laughs> of the joke. No, I mean, and the reality is I'm not handy, okay? I'm Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> and some of you understand, but for the three of you that didn't, uh, the Jews are not really a handy people. Uh, no, we are, we are so not handy that the last time a Jew showed even a few carpentry skills, uh, they treated it like the coming of the Messiah. <laughs> and then they crucified him, so I can't take chances. I just can't take chances. So, um, anyway, I, uh, I'm running out of time. Why don't we just stop with, uh, yeah, I don't want to go through the, the way how badly I destroyed the rest of the dates. Anyway, I'm still divorced. Life is good. You guys have been a phenomenal crowd. Keep going. One more time for Pam Benjamin. Iris Summer.
divorced, still dating, still single, ladies, you should tell them your email so that the 32,000 <laughs> listeners, and we're on iTunes now, so who knows how this shit's going to explode. You want to, you have like a, everybody hashtag Ira of Rocks or something, like it's, or like old Jews for life. Uh, the, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm also old. I think we're probably, well, no, I'm, we're, you're the generation right before me. Yes. You got to party in the 70s. I just got to hang out with the babysitters while my parents were partying. <laughs> They're not divorced. My parents are actually, they've been married since 1970. Someone do math on that. That's 46 years. Is that right? Yeah. Holy fuck. I wish I talked to them because I would, I should congratulate them or something. But we don't talk to each other because they think that my lifestyle is sinful. Uh, when I left my husband, my mother said, uh, hey, uh, you're going to be the whore of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I was like, I don't think that God can rain fire down on San Francisco. Um, someone come up with a punchline for that. That'll be great. Everybody clap wildly for Iris Summer. Yay! I'm, I'm a whore, uh, but you missed me during my whorish times. I've been, I've been monogamous for the past three years also, which is an exciting thing. I love my boyfriend. He's amazing, but we'll never get married because marriage is stupid. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a contract about money, and he's poor, and I'm poor, so I don't give a fuck. <laughs> he, he knows where the cash is that I hide in my house because I don't want the government to know about my money. <laughs> I hope the IRS isn't listening to this podcast because this could be incriminating. This is art. You can't. You, it does, it's not real. Or it is. I don't know. <laughs> He's the only one who knows where the money is hidden. Your next comedian. We're having a bald rock block right now of divorced men. Are we excited for this? Yes! Oh. We're going from one bald guy to a guy that's tattooed his entire head. Whether he did that before, during, or after his marriage, we'll find out! You guys are going to love the jokes of your next comedian. It's Jeremy Atkins! All right, give it up for Pam again. Lots of anniversary stuff for her today. That is very awesome. So yes, I know what you're thinking. Wow, that guy looks a lot like Ira if he wasn't doing as well financially, wasn't as handsome, and hadn't made so many questionable life decisions. <laughs> I know this, yeah. I, uh, I developed this game. This will be one of my, my uh, questionable life moments. I developed this game where I like to say the worst thing at the best time. I like to be, I like to have the ability to say just right at the best time, the worst thing you can say. A um, Couple of examples, I, uh, years ago I had abdominal surgery and the doctor said, well when you come in we'll shave you. And I thought, you know, I'd like to shave myself. I don't really need somebody else shaving my groin. So I shaved and showed up and apparently I did not do enough and so they had a 55-year-old orderly shave my groin. And as he's got the clippers and he's going at it, I thought, I should say, hey, when you were my age, where, is this where you thought you'd be at your age? <laughs> but clippers and balls, and I, I let it go. I let that one go. <laughs> I, uh, I teach jujitsu for a living, and I have a kid's class. And this really annoying kid came up to me and said, Mr. Jeremy, does it hurt when you die? <laughs> I looked down at him and I said, Sam, it all depends on how you die. He looked back at me and he said, there's more than one way to die. 
And I said, yes, go ask your mom about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good at this. I'm good at this game. I think that's why I get texts from my friends that say, my dog's dying. Will you come help me put her down? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't get texts. Hey, we got a couple of pizzas. We're watching the game. Could you bring some beer? No, that's not my life. My life is not texting, do you have a cake pan? Do you want to help me bake a bunt cake? No, my texts are like, do you have a shovel? <laughs> do you want to help me bury a body? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's about where I'm at. I, uh, yeah. So it's, it's, I'm getting to, what I'm getting to is that I'm 40. All right, I'm in my 40s. <laughs> and I'm divorced, and I live with my ex. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, I got, yeah, I got, I got it. Uh, oh, yeah, it's good, it's good. I, uh, that's how you know you live in the Bay Area. When you wanna, you got a house you wanna hold on to, you're willing to, you're willing to live with someone who pretty much hates you and has no problem telling you that, you know, breakfast. Hey, you're a fucking asshole. Can you pass the salt? Oh, and you're not funny. Oh yeah, oh yeah, regularly, oh yeah, yeah. You know, and it's great because it goes, it goes from like, oh, we're talking, we're talking about something completely just bullshit and it's going well. And she says something like, oh, I'm going to go on a date or something. I go, oh, okay, that's nice. Um, like, what time are you going to go on the date? Why? What business of it is yours? We, we just a second ago, we were talking. <laughs> thought we were having a conversation. I guess I was wrong. Okay. Yeah, lots of that. It's good. It's good. I like that. It's it keeps you sharp. It's a good it's a good punch to the teeth in the first thing in the morning. You don't really need a lot of coffee after that. You kinda walk through the rest of the day just going, Fuck. Well, there's always tomorrow morning. And you keep going. Cause at least it's not morning still. I uh <laughs> divorce is closure. Divorce is final. Right? She goes that way, tells all her friends what an asshole I am. I go that way, I tell her all my friends how crazy I made her. It's over, it's done. When you fuck with that, you get your marriage on a dance remix loop where the greatest misses keep coming up hit after hit. <laughs> Except no one wants to put any work in on the marriage because you're not having sex anymore. So it's just like my marriage was. <laughs> Except now I get to date other people. So it's just like my marriage was. <laughs> Except now, I have a hall pass. Now, the really fucked up thing out of my marriage was this, that my, the security of my marriage, it gave me the courage to talk to other women and cheat on my wife. It did. And I'm an asshole and I'll always be an asshole, but it also helped me integrate myself back into the dating pool. Because I've been out for like 15 years, you know? I was a little short on my game in a lot of ways. Texting was not as ubiquitous when I was, uh, when I was dating. It was more online or, you know, as far as technology. But I believe, uh, I believe uh, you uh, find somebody young, you kids, you text, you what it's called, sexting. <laughs> and uh, so I was giving that a try with this woman I'm dating. And uh, I, uh, you know, going back and forth, learning my, my moves, getting my chops. I, uh, I, I 
texted, I was on my way over to her house one day, I texted her, I said, I'm on my way over to your house to fuck you really hard <laughs> in a lot of ways. I thought, I thought that was, you know, a little clunky, but he got the message. I was, I was, you know, on my way. And the reply I got made me realize that maybe I'm not so good at this game of sexting. Maybe this is not the arena of uh, expression I should choose. Because the reply was, that is a really disturbing way to tell your mother you're coming for a visit. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I explained myself. I apologized. I you know I groveled. I was like, mm. and uh, she said it was fine. She just would rather I didn't visit for a while, oh. which I understood. I did. I understood. I uh, the, the the text that got me in a lot of trouble, however, was a little confusing to me because I texted. I I can't wait to dig into your cupcakes. I love you. Oh. Not bad. You know, sweet. The reply I got back was, whose fucking cupcakes are you digging into? And how can you tell the her you love her when you can't even say I like you? I sent it to the other girl. And it didn't help. They said, oh, no, no, that was meant for my mom. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, it's, 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 uh, it's not easy to uh, continue to date a, a boy you think has a serious Oedipus complex and is sending sex to his mother. Thankfully, I was able to explain myself out of that one, too, somehow. And uh, like I said, this woman that I'm dating, she's very cool. I, I dig on her. And, uh, you, know, getting, you know, getting to know each other, playing around, seeing what's going on. And one day she says, you know, I want you to start whispering in my ear. I want you to whisper in my ear while we're having sex. While you're fucking me, I want you to say things to me. And I went, wow, okay. I can, I can do this. This is good. I can go that route. And so I, uh, I leaned over during sex and I said, I'm really grateful that I can fuck you now, because later I won't be able to. <laughs> and she whipped around and she, what does that mean? And I said, well, at some point you're either gonna be fucking someone else, or my dick isn't gonna work because I'm too old and I won't be able to fuck you anyway. What's wrong with you? <laughs> now I know why you got divorced. Do you say things like this to everyone? No, no, just apparently people I like fucking and <laughs> apparently don't want to fuck anymore. <laughs> so, like I said, I just, you know, this woman's stuck in through a lot. She's, 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 you know, put in a lot of work here. And uh, so she hasn't quit yet. And one day she goes, you know, we've, we're going through a lot of things and I trust you. I think that you are the man. I wonder if I've always wanted to try something. And uh, I said, I think I know where you're going with this. I think I know what you're saying. And before we go any further, you just kind of want to maybe think of it like this. Anal is like John Coltrane. You either dig those crazy riffs or you do not. And no matter how much sweet talk or lube I use, it's not going to get any smoother. However, it is your thing. Then we have to decide if you're going to go with the two and a half minute version of Wait and Pray or we're going to go for the extended all out jam version at 18 and a half minutes of my favorite things. <laughs> but that's up to you. <laughs> and so she said back to me, well, I have a question for you. Do you like your ass played with? And I said, hmm, below the belt, below the belt's a little like uh, the perfect definition of introvert and extrovert. My cock is an extrovert, likes to meet people, likes to get in the action. My asshole is an introvert likes to stay inside, 
and doesn't want any contact with anyone at all. <laughs> my name is Jeremy Adkins. That was my time. Pam Benjamin. Thank you. Of course he teaches jujitsu. Yeah. I, I, here's the thing I learned about jujitsu. Everybody, Jeremy Adkins, yay! Yay! I learned about jujitsu the other night because I love Anthony Bourdain. Uh, and he goes to Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and he showed up in San Francisco and I saw a layover about it. I love Anthony Bourdain and I don't feel sad about it. <laughs> no, that guy's hot and he's like in his 50s. He's not divorced, which is sad because if he was divorced, man. Uh, all right, uh, our rock block bald guys is over. Yeah, we're going into the pussy now. <laughs> Girls get divorced too. Yay. That happens. Uh, sometimes it's of their volition. I mean, can you guys... A hundred years ago, this wouldn't have happened. There wouldn't have been divorce. Forty years ago, ladies couldn't stand on the stage and talk about their buttholes. You know, am I right? <laughs> Feminism is the best. And I'm really excited uh, about our next comedian. I didn't know she was divorced. She looks so young, and she's like a mermaid. I feel like she might have divorced King Triton because she is a lovely, beautiful mermaid, and she's going to swim her way on up to the stage. V very funny, everybody. Annette Mullaney! I did get divorced pretty young. Um, however, feminism is what I put in the memo of the alimony checks I had to write. <laughs> um, so I have mixed feelings. Mostly positive, but, you know, there was that little bit. Um, but like I said, I was pretty precocious in getting married. Um, I got married pretty young, uh, 24 legally, 23 Islamically. Um, so by the time I got divorced, like now all my friends are starting to get married. And it's nice because I get to be the little black cloud at their weddings. <laughs> uh, that reminds them that like statistically their vows are probably a lie. <laughs> um, you know, like, oh, that's so great. You think your love is special. So did I. <laughs> You think you're going to beat the odds? So did I. <laughs> you think this is going to be the last man you ever sleep with? But anyway, <laughs> um, it's fine. Uh, it doesn't help, though, that I have to get drunk to get to the ceremonies and uh, that I cackle whenever the priest says forever. <laughs> but you know, when you get divorced, people give you like a good one to two years of just a free pass where you can act like a fucking asshole and they forgive you. Um, so at these ceremonies, like, I'll be overheard loudly telling a young couple to prenup it up in front of the bride's family, and people will just go, oh, it's so nice to see her out and about. Or, you know, I'll hook up with, like, the groom's 20-year-old cousin, which in my defense, like, an English accent is easy to mistake for maturity. Um, but yeah, so I'll... I'll hook up with a cousin, get drunk and jump in a pool, and people will be like, oh, she's clearly hurting. <laughs> or, you know, I'll take a shit in a centerpiece, and people will be like, so brave. <laughs> so, so brave. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, you know, they want to learn, right? So people think that I've gained a lot of wisdom um, by going through this, and they want to learn from your failures. Um, so I get asked, like, when did you know that he wasn't the one? And I don't know if everyone can pinpoint this. Uh, maybe the other comics can tell you for them, but I know exactly when it happened. Um, it was our anniversary, and we went up to Napa Valley, and we had, oh, it was just like one of those beautiful fall days where you didn't even need a jacket, 
and we were drinking all day and we were good in uh, I'd say buzz but it was like classy so I'm gonna say wine glow we had a good wine glow going <laughs> um, and we're at dinner candlelight we're leaned over the table gazing into each other's eyes and he says I can't live without you and in that moment I realized I wanted to be a young widow <laughs> um, but I did learn things I learned things like uh, you know, our relationship didn't last. You take those lessons with you. Um, and now my ex-husband is from Syria. And uh, a lot of people think that maybe we broke up for cultural reasons. Like, oh, was it because he's a Muslim and he's very controlling? Um, and that actually isn't the reason, but it's nice to know that you're going to vote for Trump. <laughs> um, but actually what it was is that we just, we fought a lot. Um, we just had these recurring arguments that we couldn't stop bringing up and fighting over. Um, you know, they would be things like whether we were too old to take a kickboxing class at the Y. Um, that one actually, the neighbors called the police on us. Um, or like whether the temperature of boiling water continues to increase or whether all of the heat energy is going into changing it from uh, liquid to gas. Huge argument. Um, <laughs> Or, uh, you know, another argument was like, who loved whom more? <laughs> Which, I guess he won when I filed. <laughs> um, but, uh, so one thing I have learned is that you cannot let these arguments continue. You need to settle them once and for all. So I think what you need to do is take a, take a note from traditional culture and do a trial by ordeal. Um, now, I haven't tested this, but I'm going to throw it out there, and I would love to hear your results. Um, so what you do is anytime something goes bad in the fridge, you throw it together in one glass, and then whenever you have a dispute, you both drink it, and whoever doesn't throw up first is correct. <laughs> now this... <laughs> Now this definitely like, and that's it, it's settled, it's over. There's no uh, bringing it up later, right? It's already all come out. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I shit on marriage a lot, but there were some really good things about marriage. Um, it's only ever since I became single again that I worry about parties turning into orgies, for example. Um, like, I don't know, if it, maybe it's because I'm from the Midwest, right? And parties in San Francisco are definitely of a different caliber. Um, in the Midwest, you can tell how the course of the party is going to go by what people bring to the potluck. <laughs> you know, if someone brings like a seven bean, three cheese, mayonnaise salad, it's definitely not going to be an orgy. It's just like, <laughs> it's way too heavy. It's not what you want in your stomach during a rigorous fuck fest. Um, but like, it, in, uh, and so you might ask, but like, how can this be a real fear? Like, even if you can't look to the buffet table to determine how the party's gonna go, like, couldn't you just leave when the orgy begins? Uh, you may think that, but once, in fact, I was at a party where people, <laughs> uh, where people began to fuck in the main room. And unfortunately, my purse was on the other side of the writhing pile. <laughs> So I had to duck into a bedroom and hide um, for hours. I didn't even have my phone. I was so goddamn bored. Um, and now, look, I don't want to sound anti-orgy. I think, I think it's beautiful if people can express their sexuality not near me. But um, 
And like on a theoretical level, I should be down with orgies because um, talking to humans is like one of my least favorite things to do. And an orgy is definitely a way to like do something at a party that's not talking. Um, it also clears up that problem of like, oh, what do I do with my hands? I'm so awkward. Just like fill them with dicks. <laughs> but <laughs> like <laughs> on one hand, you know, there's going to be women there. And I just I respect women way too much to subject them to my shame cave. <laughs> and then, you know, ma OK, maybe like an orgy could be just dudes and me. Um, be in the, the eye of that dick hurricane. <laughs> but so, so I work in tech. I just, I think it'd be too similar to my day job. Um, and now I know what you're thinking. Like, I must think I'm some pretty hot shit to always fear that people are trying to orgy me. Um, and it's actually kind of the opposite. I'm like, I'm really worried about getting left out. Uh, in fact, I've never done a threesome, because if you've studied any game theory, you know that a three-bodied system is inherently unstable, right? Like, alliances are going to form. People are going to get left out. And like, I just don't want to have to worry about the other two people talking behind my back when I'm getting railed from behind. Like, usually my only fear is what my asshole looks like. I just don't want to have to add more to that. Um, and so like multiply that by like, I don't know, 10? Like what does it feel like to get left out in an orgy? And the thing is I would get left out because like my sexual skills are limited to mostly showing up. <laughs> that's what I do, I show up. And now this worked in marriage, right? Because in marriage, that sexual skill, you're basically Comcast. You're <laughs> You look around, look what else are you gonna do? I think that's Comcast slogans, like, eh. There's no one else here. Um, this worked particularly well in my marriage because my ex-husband was a virgin when I met him, whereas I was an American. So everything that he learned about actual sex, he learned through me, which meant I controlled that information like I was fucking North Korea, right? Like women, oh no, no, that's, those are myths from porn. Women don't work during sex. Blowjobs don't really happen. <laughs> it's all a myth. Feminism. <laughs> <Yeah>. Fucking feminism. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that's, that doesn't really work on the open dating market as much. I have to resort to subterfuge. Um, you know, so I tell them I fuck like an animal, and then it's only later they discover that I meant a starfish. Um, I just, I know that in like the competitive market and radical transparency of an orgy, I am fucked. Or rather, not, not fucked. Um, and <laughs> uh, well, that was pretty much everything I wanted to say. <laughs> so uh, I'll leave you guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm gonna leave you guys uh, like how I left my husband. Uh, fuck you. Good night. <laughs> She made me cry. I laughed so hard. 
I had to wipe the tears out because the truth was so fun to see. I loved it because I'm like, She's, she knows. Uh, you mentioned the moment where you knew that you didn't want to be with your husband anymore. I had a very specific moment. Uh, it was my birthday, and uh, he was very excited. He gave me a gift, and I unwrapped it, and it was a Louis Vuitton backpack. It was a brown and ugly $714 piece of shit. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I was like, what's, uh, what's up with this? And he's like, well, the bag that you use is like, you look like an old bag lady. I was like, I need to, I need to put a status symbol on the, did you know I'm a communist? Like, do we know each other? Have we been married for, so I took the Louis Vuitton backpack back and uh, I got what I wanted, which was two cases of wine and an ounce of weed. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and then I left that motherfucker because he used to be fun when we used to smoke weed together. And he's like, I have a DEA license now. I'm a veterinarian. You keep talking about weed all the time. Me, me, me. It's like, fuck you, dad. I'm out here. Go San Francisco. And now weed is going to save the United States. So fuck everyone from 2005. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Your next comedian. I am so excited to see him. It's been a long time since we've seen him around these parts. He's an amazing comedian. He's been doing this for years, and he's back in the game. Uh, he's also divorced, and we're excited to hear what he has to say. Put your hands together. It's Richard Dreilig. All right. Is this on? You can hear me? I just hit myself in the face. This is going to go awesome. <laughs> This is gonna go phenomenally. This is like, a, I feel like I'm at a sad bachelor auction. <laughs> and you're the only bachelorette. Oh, sad. She's like, hey, so I'm single. <laughs> That's the premise of the show. How's it going? Uh, so I'm divorced. Do you guys wanna hear more divorce material? Might as well. Let's just continue the parade of sad. You know what you should do, uh, Pam? You should throw this show once a month and you should like make it required reading for anyone who's about to get married in the next six months. <laughs> It'll be phenomenal. It'll be like, like I'm telling you, I, I mean, I'd, I had a pretty amicable divorce, you know? But uh, I'm a lot happier now. Yeah. A lot happier now. So don't get married. <laughs> you. Because you look like you're about to get married. You got that look on your face. You're like, dude, within 10 years, I need to pop out a kid. <laughs> I don't know you. I'm just, just kidding. Uh, now, which state are you from? Michigan. Michigan? Do you do that oh, whole yeah, thing? Right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that cracks me up, man. I'm from Minnesota, and uh, thank you. Thank you. It, I mean, it's weird to me, like, if out here, I, people just, like, will forget which state you're from. They'll just be like, I'm Missouri, Michigan. Like, they have no fucking idea, you know? Oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, but, no, you reminded me a little bit. <laughs> like, I, I can't stand California parties, you know, because they're all themed. Like where I come from, if you got a field, a pickup truck, and a keg, you got a party. You know, the only theme is unintended pregnancy, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I married a uh, I married a foreigner actually. She's from California, <laughs> and um, a sweet girl. I mean, look, everyone asks me like, dude, aren't you supposed to be a little bit more bitter? And I'm like, look, I was there to nurse her to health after her heart surgery. 
and she saved me in my post-Iraq war experience by losing the shotgun keys a few times. You know what I mean? We're even. Now that we're even, I pay her, you know, two years to fuck another guy, and everything's good. <laughs> everything's good. I suppose I should go into some jokes, not just sad comments. Uh, <laughs> Pam, no, I, I feel like I needed to get that off my chest, right? Because it kind of frames the argument. So, here's the deal. Here's the deal. See, here's the thing. Like, I'm from a Midwest family. If you're like, when I was 18, my mom wanted me to have kids so bad, like I was checking the condoms to make sure that she wasn't poking <laughs> holes in them. You know what I mean? It was like that. I'm the grand old man of my family because I'm the only one who doesn't have any kids that I know of, <laughs> you know? Thank you, thank you. I'm happy too because I still have a life. It's great. And uh, so here's the thing, right? Like, I was really nervous to tell my parents about the divorce. So I called my mom up and I was like, hey, mom, I got some bad news for you. Megan and I are getting a divorce. And she's like, well, Rich, it's kind of like a bird. You know, you just let it fly away. <laughs> and if it comes back, then it's true love. So I said, Mom, if that bird comes back to you all dirty, do you still want to stick your dick in it? <laughs> she didn't think it was funny. <laughs> she did not. She's like, Richard, the fuck is wrong with you? She's <laughs> like, Mom, you're the one who taught me. <laughs> uh, my dad, on the other hand, was, uh, he was a dad about shit. You know, so I called him up. I'm like, Dad, got some bad news for you. You got to put on the tough guy voice when you're talking to your dad. Got some bad news for you. Uh, I'm gay. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, his dad, uh, he would be like, okay, that makes two kids. <laughs> but so I was like, Dad, listen, I got some bad news for you. Megan and I are getting a divorce. And he goes, ha, saw that coming. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I don't think you understand. I'm going to be 30 and divorced. And he's like, beats 40 and divorced. And he was totally right. <laughs> like, think about it. As a 30-year-old divorcee, you got, like, the widest wingspan possible. Like, they can either be card-carrying AARP members or have a college ID. And it's still okay. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Just treat them like human beings. You're going to have a good time. It's amazing. It's fucking great. I love being divorced. But then, like, people talk all this shit about marriage. I mean, like, everyone's like, oh, it's marital bliss. Marital bliss. Here's the thing, man. I don't think it's marital bliss because the only way that that's true is if ignorance is bliss. And what happens is you forget every vagina that came before that one. Right? Like, I, was, I spent 10 years in the Marine Corps, and after one year of marriage, I knew my wife's vagina better than an M16A2 service rifle. <laughs> All right? I could put a blindfold on, take that thing apart, put it back together, clean it, knew exactly where to stick the bolt. <laughs> it's fucked up. So I'm an asshole. Uh, joined the Marines when I was 18. I don't really want to talk about that today. Um, Let's see. Now, here's the other thing about divorce is there's, it's awesome. Like, here's the thing, like marriage is a lot like hypothermia, okay? Because you start and you, you're like a little uncomfortable at first, and then you start to get comfortable with it, you know? You get all warm and fuzzy inside, and then you die. <laughs> <laughs> That's marriage. Uh. I feel like I've been let out of like one of those Russian torture boxes where you can't quite sit down and you can't quite stand up, you know? 
and then you just get out and there's a bunch of 22 year olds hanging out and they're like, hey, what's up? You look sad. Want a pity fuck? <laughs> That's how it goes, man. What's that? The torture box or the 22 year olds? Oh, pity fucks? Yeah, it happens all the time. But you gotta be a dude, I think, to get it. Is that <laughs> that's kind of how that one works, right? Pity fucks are for guys? Is that how? I don't know. I can't imagine a dude being like, oh, you look sad, lady. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you need a little bit of peen in you. <laughs> that just doesn't strike me as something that would ever happen, especially not without like a sexual harassment charge afterward. <laughs> well, Bob, I told you you shouldn't say that to the secretary at work. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's funny, though. Like, there's a dark side to marriage that no one wants to admit about, like, having kids and shit, right? So I was staying with my buddy out in Stockton, which is a great place. <laughs> <laughs> if you've been to hell before, <laughs> it'll be great in comparison. But here's the thing. Like, so he was like, hey, dude, you, you know, you're not doing anything. You're going to sit here and play Call of Duty. Why don't you come out to Dante's soccer game? Uh, all right, cool. So I go out to his 12-year-old kid's soccer game, and we're just sitting there chewing sunflower seeds and watching the kids. And, you know, that's a, that's a perfectly normal thing for a single 30-year-old to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and all of a sudden, like, well, his wife was there, so it wasn't that creepy. <laughs> They're like, oh, that's the, that's the creepy uncle. All right. You know, it worked. But all of a sudden, all these kids start, like, rushing at each other in a giant, like, scrum. Like, they were like, fuck positions, and they just ran all after the ball. And they got their head down, and they're just trucking. And I'm like, oh, my God, one of these kids is about to get killed. Someone's going to get hurt. And then one of the moms from the sideline yells, watch the teeth. She's like, oh, you can kill my kid. You can give him a concussion. I don't care. Give him TBI, whatever. But don't fuck up the orthodontia that I paid a few thousand dollars for. Come on, lady, your kid lives in Stockton. He's gonna end up with fucked up teeth anyway. <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous. Oh man, I, uh, one thing I remember about boot camp is our drill instructors, they'd always yell at us and they'd be like, we're gonna do in three months what your parents couldn't do in 18 years. What's that, making me a confident, well, 